0: I'm Kim, and welcome to Esso podcast, You Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the week of August 25th, 2014. Join us this week as we talk with Philip Marchand, owner-operator of the Felix and Hollywood Tour Company, about his abiding passion for capturing the past and making it tangible to us today. We'll also visit with Denise, yes, just Denise, bartender at Duffy's Tavern in La Habra, to get her impressions of a day in the life at Orange County's number one dive bar. So stay tuned.
1: los
2: angeles
0: el pueblo lotus land the city of angels
2: the day of the locust the slide area where all the fruits and nuts ended up when they turned the country on its ear
0: but you and i were born here and don't mind a few oddballs in the mix
2: they add flavor growing up in cheviot hills my compass pointed straight to fifth and maine
0: as a kid in Hollywood, I was forbidden to take the bus to the Central Library. But I did it anyway.
2: Because you've got to start at the center to understand this confounding and fantastic city.
0: Which makes nonsense of history and breaks all the rules.
2: Rainer Banham said that.
0: He taught us well.
2: In the 1980s at UC Santa Cruz, now on our tours and in our time travel blogs, we're continuing the conversation.
0: Raymond Chandler's Los Angeles and Charles Bukowski's The Birth of Noir. Route 66, The Lowdown on Downtown. The Real Black Dahlia.
2: Positive public space Endangered landmarks Forgotten lore
0: Memory maps Mysteries Murder
2: The allocation of resources
0: The hidden forces that shape public policy Skid Row Bunker Hill
2: Preservation
0: Restoration
2: Redevelopment It's
0: a four-letter word
2: Los Angeles You can't eat the sunshine, but you can drive around and take a long, hard look
0: And listen to the stories
2: And pass them on Why are we
0: doing this again? Because we love the place with a passion that goes beyond sense or reason
2: So did Raynor Banum.
0: So he did. Now let's begin.
3: You can't eat the sunshine, but you can make a beeline for the best of the coastline. La 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 la. Skid Row, Solano Canyon, the Doria, and Pico Union, the long-lost neighborhood. Called Herbina between South Pass and Highland The gold pie.
2: Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to our podcast, You Can't Eat the Sunshine, for the week of August 25th, 2014. This episode, we'll have interviews with Philip Mershon. He is the owner-operator of Felix in Hollywood Tours, and he is an utter genius. We will also speak with Denise, yes, just Denise, the blonde bartender at Duffy's Tavern in La Habra. We're going to get a day in the life of Duffy's Tavern, Orange County's number one dive bar. Kim, you are the Pishka Maven.
0: That's true. And that means I get to tell you there's a tip jar. Digital, of course, associated with this podcast. And if you like what we do and you're inclined to support our work, you can make a digital tip on that podcast page. And we are always so grateful for the support of our listeners. It is never obligatory. Always appreciated. Thanks for your support and for your listenership.
2: That reminds me. I have to add that to my to-do list. I'm um, feverishly uh, rebuilding, upgrading the back end of our website to Drupal Seven, and um, the, the the tip jar is a module that needs to be upgraded. That goes on my list. I haven't really gone through that list exhaustively, but w- you just you just
0: I, I would have noticed if it wasn't there.
2: Oh, I, I, Kim, I would have like. Uh, there, there are many checkpoints along the way before I'm near being done that I would have figured that out. But just um, one more
0: thing.
2: One 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 more thing to do. Fortunately I've decided on our commerce and back end engine, which is which is a really good thing to, to be clear on. The light of God entered my head. Thanks. You don't care. You just you just you you just don't want me to, to wake up and be unhappy.
0: Darling, this is a podcast about Los Angeles history and culture, not computer engineering.
2: Kim, closely watched trains. There's change afoot at our favorite closely watched train, Grand Central Market. <laughs>
0: Yeah, big feature in the LA Weekly. Some kind of interesting coverage coming out. I was happy to see that this kind of neat little stop action video that was produced as part of the piece was created by one of our favorite radio journalists, Michael Linder, who's uh, branching out into some new media. And um, this piece comes on the heels of this rather odd um, Bon Appetit, was it Bon Appetit? Mention of. Bon Appetit list of the top 10 new restaurants in America, and for some reason Grand Central Market, which is neither new nor a restaurant, was in that, in that list, which goes to show what publicity can do. It can get you on a list you don't belong on. But uh, there's a lot happening at Grand Central. It's obviously a very charged, contentious issue because a lot of people have effective ownership of the place. They've been going there for generations, and they feel very, very attached to some of the older vendors, and, you know, it's changing, the demographics are changing, the expense is changing. What's not changing, and this was one of the most interesting things I found about the article, is it's still really hot and grubby, And, and this is beginning to be an issue for some of those new vendors who aren't able to make all the chocolates they might want to and aren't necessarily able to keep ice cream as tidy as they would hope, so... Uh, I think Grand Central is really going to have to bump it up a notch. It's not just enough to bring in friendly vendors. You're actually going to have to figure out how to cool an incredibly large hundred-year-old space and, and make it pleasant. That is the challenge for the new the new generation of management at Grand Central.
2: Kim, that's... Okay, so Kim, the problem is that what... Everyone new to Grand Central Market wants them to be is the Packing House in Anaheim, which is a recently opened venue. It's an old citrus packing house that was vacant for like 50 years, has no history, was closed for as long as they needed to close it to rebuild it.
0: You mean nobody walks in and says, I can't believe what they've done to my packing house. They just say, this is awesome.
2: Right, because it, because it is everything is brand new and it is climate-controlled, and it has no history.
0: I love these problems. I love Grand Central Market. Um, I'm sorry that the ladies who made the gelatin flowers that looked like, yeah. oh, I know, they were inedible, but they looked, like, they looked like paperweights. They were incredible. They took 10 minutes each to make. They injected colored gelatin into the underside of, of a, of a half-sphere. I mean, the culture is being lost there, but at the same time, you can get McDonald's ice cream. So, you know, it's positives and negatives.
2: Kim, your voice is, is sounding a lot better. You know, people might have noticed we didn't have a podcast last week because you, you didn't have a voice.
0: I lost my voice entire. It's true. And I'm, I'm still not quite entirely 100% here, but... I'm doing my best. I'm sorry not to rant and rave. I mean, I'm sure there were people who, who really dodged a bullet last week. I would have been very, very angry at someone or other. I always am. But, no. Lucky you, whoever you are, you, you didn't get a podcast.
2: Kim, old Torrance is still here. I've been meaning to talk about Torrance and Torrance Historical Society for years. Um, they do some really interesting stuff. It's always when we have tours, so we personally cannot participate and I'm hoping to make good inroads with their historical society, which seems to have a a strong leader. Uh, well, not this. There seems to be a former president of the historical society who's just released a historic survey of Torrance, which is why we're talking about it, a guy named Gene. It's very exciting. Old Torrance is still there. So it's a very encouraging survey, and they want to make a big part of Torrance Public Policy keeping it there. So um, we're going to link to the article about that. I haven't heard back from them. I wrote them a couple of days ago and asked them for the survey. We'll post that when it comes up, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get someone on, on Torrance Historical Society as a lava visionary so they can start posting where some really wonderful events they have down there, and I think people would do really well to benefit by them, and we'll, we'll throw the link to Torrance Historical Society up on the website as well.
0: Yeah, and I know that the issue is getting that um, survey digitized, which they've not yet done, and they're trying to figure out how to do that. But well worth heading down there. If you're interested in Irving Gill's early modernism in Southern California, you'll see some really important buildings and an especially beautiful bridge. And there's good antiquing and good Japanese food. So make Torrance part of your explorations. I recommend it.
2: Thanks, Kim. Good job. Save Cindy's Diner sign. Kim, this is a Kickstarter project, and you like Kickstarter.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in in new uses of Kickstarter. So, uh, Cindy's on R- Old Route 66, Colorado Boulevard in Eagle Rock, has it's been shut for a few years, but it's a largely intact 1940s roadside diner and. The very tall and very distinctive sign I believe is a nineteen seventies backlit plastic yeah. sign, or maybe yeah. late sixties just judging by the topography. So it's not super, super old and, and I understand there was a name change at some point, but they, they, it's Cindy's, that's what people know it as. And and they're funding right now to redo that sign, which is cool. And if if you like Cindy's and you wanna uh kick in, you can, you know, sponsor a particular letter on that sign that turns you on, or, you know, maybe the word chicken or something and uh get your name on the menu or on the wall and get some food and some cookies and some goodies and, you know, help support a really cool bit of local Route 66.
2: Yeah, and, and, the, and, and, and the diner needs to reopen because I... I, I, I
0: get
2: his... Oh, did, did it reopen now? Okay, yeah. It was yeah. closed for a while. Yeah, okay, good.
0: No, is, these are the new owners. They just okay. want to get the sign up and, yeah.
2: Good, good. My becoming a vegetarian has deeply impacted my ability to um, have a breakfast burrito. Kim, I want to run a scenario by you. Okay, okay. I want to run a scenario by you. Okay, so there's this. There was this Cliff May house in Encino, and um, uh, a third party nominated for cultural historic monument. So there's a hearing, as there are when you submit an HCM application. And the CHC Cultural Historical Commission decided, Cultural Heritage Commission decided, yeah, you know what? We're going to consider this. We're going to put a stop work order on this property. There's already a demo permit that's been filed. We're going to we're going to we're going to stop that with this stop work order. So um, what happens is um, the owner says, "It's the funniest thing, you know. You you see, you the CHC sent me this letter telling me I couldn't demolish my house and." Yet I'd already arranged with my demolition contractor to demo it. And, and I I called him and told him not to do it.
0: you're just
2: making that up. No, I'm not, because I talked Who, to Ken Bernstein. Ken
0: Bernstein told yes.
2: you Yes, yes, this was at the hearing. What do you mean I'm making this up? Why would I make well, this up, Ken? Well, why, why would I make this up, Kim? I don't know.
0: Why do I hear things for the first time? Why, you're
2: why the because, because this is be, this, this because this is what people listen to this podcast is that I sometimes don't tell you things to tell you on the air.
0: Was this before or after Gil Chiresh, the owner who just paid two and a half million dollars for this incredibly gorgeous ranch house on a hill in Encino, you know, called the gentleman who landmarked, submitted the landmark nomination, and threatened him over the phone and said, I'm going to sue you if you don't withdraw this nomination for this property which I've only owned for a month. Was that before or after?
2: It was concurrent. It was about the same time he left his his demolition contractor a message telling him not to demo the house, and the demolition contractor had an opening on a Sunday. Uh Uh-huh. It, yes, they f-
0: do. You mean, he, like, maybe he went out into the hall during the Cultural Heritage Commission? He got on his cell phone. He made that threat to the preservationist.
2: No, he, he wouldn't have had to because the preservationist would have been at the hearing. He just would have.
0: It was a telephone threat. Oh. On Friday. And then on Monday... They they, they don't meet on Friday, they meet on Thursday. Right, so none of this happened at the hearing. The guy was absolutely aware that he had no right... Gil Sharesh, remember the name, had no right to demolish this building, just decided it was better to beg forgiveness than ask permission. Now, had this building actually been a cultural landmark, which it was on the way to becoming, he would have been facing a five-year scorched-earth policy ruling. That is the law in the city of Los Angeles. If you illegally demolish a cultural landmark, as happened not too long ago, Richard, down in Crown Hill, and I'll let you talk about that in a moment. Um, You can't build anything there for five years. It happened um, to one of the Jeff Palmer developments when, just magically, also on a Sunday, the last Victorian on Bunker Hill got, oopsie, knocked over by a bulldozer and uh, couldn't develop on that corner for five years. It has more of an impact on a small developer than someone, you know, very, very, very wealthy, like Jeff Palmer, But it has no impact whatsoever if it isn't understood in the community. So somehow this word has to get out, especially about the landmarks. But I think that demolishing something where there is a stop work order, a building that is in the pipeline to become potentially a historic landmark that will be preserved for future generations, apparently there are no consequences for this really nasty act. And, And I believe that there should be, Richard. Well,
2: yeah. Uh, you know, Kim, um, so uh, both um, the Cliff May proposed HCM House and the Villa San Marino, this is the structure on Crown Hill you mentioned, that was demolished, uh, they, uh, Ken Burns, which was, which, which was an HCM, uh, both structures have had hearings by building and safety about the demolition, both of which were illegal. And um, Ken Bernstein has um, testified and re- requested that they have the five-year scorched-earth policy implemented on them. Uh, the, the building and safety has had their hearing, and the property owners will have a chance to appeal. Oh, okay. uh, Yeah, so, they'll, so, they'll have so a chance to appeal.
0: The Encino property is going to be treated as if it was a cultural landmark?
2: Well, Ken has, has, has requested that it be. Oh. Um, there is some contention... Um, on the the Building and Safety Board as to whether they sh- they will, um, but if people want to get involved, there's still a lot, a lot of feedback available because there there's going to be an appeal. Uh, actually, there's not a decision yet. The decision is yet to come, and if the decision is that it is scorched earth, if it is, then Gill can appeal that. So oh there's. Oh my person
0: no a person named Basis.
2: No, but I can't remember his last Chirosh. name. Giltrash. Giltrash can can appeal this. So so people can email Ken Bernstein and ask to be kept in the loop.
0: Good. We'll include that link uh, on this podcast page.
2: Um, we'll, we'll 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 link to the Office of Historic Resources yeah. page. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Good. I, you know, I believe that there should be consequences when people behave just so egregiously. And it's, it's pure greed. It's an extremely valuable piece of land, but it was much more valuable with this gorgeous 1949 house on it. I, as, I, as I, a,
2: I don't know if it's greed so much as it is um, ego.
0: Well, it's... How invested can you be in a property that you spend two and a half million dollars on and knock down and build something else on? Is that ego?
2: Ego. Ego. I think think it's more. Do people like ships, Kim?
0: Yeah, that's true. People do like ships. Let's move on. I'm sure we have more trains.
2: Villa Villa Carlotta. Villa Carlotta. Right there. Franklin and Bronson. Right across from the Chateau Elysee. Same architects. uh, Villa Carlotta is 1925. Chateau Elysee is 27. Villa Carlotta is getting a makeover. I will say that when we were at the uh, Chateau Elysée the better known as the Scientology Celebrity Center, se- several members of the Church of Scientology, we mentioned that to them, and they said, "Yeah, they need to just they need to just take get put everyone into another apartment building down the street, and and spend two years renovating that building. They need to strip that building on the interior." Literally, they need to remove the lath and plaster, literally, and strip it down to the studs and, and refurbish it, which which I thought was a piercingly intelligent point to make and yet absurd in, 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 in the sense that the current owners will never do that.
0: Yeah, people have been living there for many years. It's a much-beloved building, and uh, unfortunately... Current tenants have, have not been treated great. They've been really kept in the dark. All of the trees got cut down. They're yeah. very very concerned about what's going to happen to the building. Now we know what's going to happen to the building, and the question really is, what's going to happen to the people who've been there for so long? Because it's it's not a vacant building by any stretch. It's it's a completely populated building.
2: Well, and it, it, it is rent controlled, and we will we 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 have we have friends in the building, so we're going to keep you updated. It, it's it's gonna. It's going to be bumpy, but I think it's going to it's going to be okay. I, uh, I I I kind of wish they would put everyone up in an apartment building down the street.
0: Richard, they're talking about making it basically like a hostel or a hotel. It's not a good thing. Okay. They're talking it's, about it's, making it, you know, short-term residences, and it's it's a it's a rent-controlled apartment house. So I don't know what's going to happen. I'm hoping for the best. Okay.
2: Right, and sometimes, as you know, there's a real disconnect between. New property owners and and what zoning and ordinances allow for Kim. So there's there's a, I think it's it's called cognitive dissonance. Yeah,
0: my money's as green as anyone else's. Why can't I throw all these people out on the street?
2: You know, as as the slumlord's grandson, I'm I'm here to tell you it's always really complicated, and that's okay. Kim, we're gonna we're going we're in the home stretch. We're gonna talk about my favorite place in the world. Sunnyside Cemetery in Long Beach, not the 1924 Sunnyside Mausoleum at Cherry in San Antonio. That's now Forest Lawn, Long Beach. No, the Sunnyside Cemetery in Long Beach, much closer to the harbor, which has graves of Civil War veterans in it. It's an ancient 19th century cemetery in, in Long Beach.
0: You're talking about the cemetery with that beautiful sculpture of yeah. the woman on right. the grave, which Ansel, Ansel Adams. Adams took yeah. the great photo right. in the 30s of the, the angel on the grave with, with the oil derricks in the yeah. background. And then we went there, and I took one of my best photos I've ever taken of a slightly different angle of that angel. It's um, an incredibly gorgeous grave, which always grows lichen on it.
2: Right, so that's so uh, Long Beach Cinematheque is going to start to do movies in the cemetery, which seems to be what all the kids are doing now. So good for them. And as as kids have done for for decades, they 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 cross dress and watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Why not? And that's it, Kim. do you? Uh, we're 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 going to we have to move on. Is is there anything I've forgotten?
0: I support all uses of cemeteries that bring the public in and result in income to help preserve them. You know, I just parenthetically.
2: That, that's why I gave you the microphone again.
0: Um, I, I'm on a cemetery preservation Facebook list, and, and I've been actually telling my fellow members of the cemetery preservation Facebook list to get the hell off of Facebook because they've been... Yeah. Well, they've been uh, calling out in Indiana some particular uh, supposed restorationists, people who give seminars and get paid by small municipalities to restore graves. And these guys go in with basically weed whackers, and they attack the stone. And they tell people at their little seminars, oh, you can't use chemicals. We don't know what they're going to do to the stone in 50 years, as they're standing there with their weed whacker devices ripping off layers and layers of stone, destroying graves. And all of these really well-meaning people are so, so, so upset and they're like, this guy is a fraud and I had a consultation with someone and and, and, and I said, yeah, I use this particular uh, chemical when I clean graves and it takes X amount of times. And she's like, oh no, I, I took Walt's seminar. He told me you can't use that. They don't know what it's gonna do in 50 years. And I'm like, hey, I just Googled this guy and all I'm finding are positive reports about how great he is what are you doing on Facebook telling me this? Go set up a website about how you need to save graves and keep him away from them. Go go to, like, a city council meeting and say he's desecrating. Use that term. Call the media. It, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. People think Facebook is a good place to, to complain about such things. And uh, a lot of really bad things are, are done because people don't understand how easy it is to actually shine a light. And it's great to take care of graves. Sometimes the best way to take care of a cemetery is to do nothing.
2: Mm. Do nothing. Yes, exactly. You know, you know my my birthday bus tour this year, November Saturday, November twenty ninth, is going to be to a public mausoleum of Orange and Los Angeles County, and, and Nathan's very excited. So I'm going to encourage people to buy their ticket for that bus.
0: And you know, the great thing about mausoleum is mausoleum, as long as the roofs intact, you don't need to bring a weed whacker into them ever.
2: All right, Kim, let's just quickly look at some upcoming events. We don't have much time in August left. We actually have a week. And so next week, well, this coming, this coming Sunday, the last day of this week, is the August Lava Salon. Sean O'Connell and Soror, 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 Lila, Suzanne, will be talking. Uh, Sean's Central Avenue Jazz. Suzanne, witchcraft, or... The Craft. Life in the Craft is the title. of uh, A Magical Life is her doc. Her original t- t- uh, title was Life in the Craft. I'm moving on, Kim. I'm just, you know, people want to know the original working title. It gives a little c- texture. We have another, we, uh, Lava Salon September. Looking forward to that. Mark Chevalier. Mark is Lava Visionary of the Year, and he is going to be talking about the sartorial history of Hollywood tailors and their clients.
0: And just speaking of lava visionaries and the kind of things that you will hear at the Lava Sunday Salon, we're so proud of Martin Turnbull, who gave a great talk about his Garden of Allah novels uh, over the summer last year. Martin has just had his first three books auctioned by a major Indian production company and uh, might well be seeing the Garden of Allah on your TV screen soon. Read it in the Hollywood Reporter. So you should be coming to these Lava Sunday Salons. You never know what. New genius you'll discover, and you'll hear it here first.
2: You you actually do hear a lot of things here first, I think.
0: Yeah, front page articles. Yeah, fr- you LA hear Times, you,
2: you hear them here first. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Kim, your your new bus tour, Echo Park Book of the Dead is also launching Saturday, October fourth. And don't forget, we've got to um, finalize the route.
0: You know, honey, I've got it in a map. You're going to love it. We're going to argue a little bit about one particular slight northern jaunt. Yeah, I'm I'm
2: already upset about you're it. You're already
0: upset about it. I know, but you're you're going to be so happy when I tell you about it. And and, and we're just going to have one of those wonderful fights about routing, which we haven't done in a long time because this is my first new crime bus tour in in 5 years. And
2: Kim okay. Caesar and I have to drive the hill, okay? Okay. There's there's one Okay, you know what i'm talking about and 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 I 've got to go make some time to buy Caesar to some shrimp you, if I,
0: it, no I don't want to drive it we'll just look at it i'm talking about something totally different
2: okay, but I want to drive up the hill okay you so did. i need I need to make time to buy Caesar some shrimp tacos and go drive the route okay
0: in a bus
2: no Kim, not in a bus, but our bus driver can actually sitting in the passenger seat Wait. of our car tell me if 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 the hills are too steep.
0: Caesar's going to let you drive him around? This i got to say.
2: In our car, Kim. In, in. Okay, Kim, we're moving on. So we need to get to the interviews. So, so our interviews this week are with Philip and Denise. Um, we're going to interview Philip first, so I'll, I'll introduce him last. So Denise, yes, just Denise, is the blonde bartender at Duffy's. Sunday's? Is, Sunday is her day at Duffy's, and I'm going to just let up her interview speak for itself as, as only a bartender at the number one dive bar in Orange County. Duffy's Tavern can just take us down the path. Our first interview, which which we'll get into right now, is with Philip Marchon. Philip Marchon is the owner-operator of Felix in Hollywood. That is a walk 90-minute walking tour of Hollywood history. They meet at the intersection of Sunset and Vine in front of what is now the Chase Bank, which has the beautiful Millard Sheets mosaic. And... If, uh, d- I, yeah, I mean, Philip is genius. I, I mean, I write bus tours. This guy's nailed... This walking tour is six blocks, three blocks west... And walk back three blocks on this side of the street. This guy's nailed it, man. This 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 tour is concise to the point, engaging, in 90 minutes. So, Philip. So beyond the fact that he's just a genius, he, we're we're not just gonna you know watch the record the, uh, the, the 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 butter melting on his toast. Um, we're we're gonna actually talk to him about why he started. Felix in Hollywood, we're going to talk to him about that moment when he realized he had to bring, help show people how to bring to life old Hollywood to, to the world in general because people really care. Kim, do you have, do you have anything? That you, look, you look like you wanted to say something.
0: I, d- I just wanted to, well, for one thing, we, I should say we were sitting, of course, around the corner from the Villa Carlotta when we had this conversation with Philip, and yeah, I think yeah. that that informs... The energy of the room. But beyond that. that,
2: that's set up in the interview.
0: I I know. But what I really wanted to say was, Richard, I I love our life together. And the fact that we were driving around La Habra and and you were like, well, we're not going to take the freeway because we're going to see something cool. And we drove and we drove and drove. And everything was new. Imperial Highway. Imperial Highway. Everything was new. Everything was knocked down. It was just the same corporate junk you see everywhere. And we were kind of depressed and dejected. And then we saw Duffy's. And, and you you pulled a U turn, and we went in. And you never know when you walk into some weird, funky little dive bar in some town you know you've never been in if people are going to be friendly or not. And you walked in there, and 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 we connected with Denise and, and some of her friends in there. And she was so delighted that you wanted to interview her. I mean, just the the lightness on her face as she realized, yes, I'm doing the right thing. People are just drawn to me like moths in the La Habra daytime. And and I'm going to tell my story of how magical this tiny little pocket of culture in an otherwise corporate crap zone is. You know, it was a really beautiful moment. And, and this is why I live with you and love you.
2: Hey, Kim, so just so you know, I spent... Years traveling on the road with Lisa Ringer, much uh, ten years my senior.
0: It's not a nice thing to say about a woman. Uh, that should be first thing
2: to say. You know, we're gonna Kim. We're gonna talk about this. You want to know why I'm so good at bars?
3: Yeah.
2: Okay. See, I was on the road with Ringer. Took me into just we went deep into the Middle West. Went to. Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, of those are the Missouri, okay. Kansas, up into Michigan. Okay, we just went into some of the toughest bars you could imagine. And you just you know, at some point you go from this this incredibly you know, I had all these 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 character traits I hated it when I was twenty two. 23, that I just, I, I, was, I, had all, I, I felt like these were huge barriers to my becoming a fulfilled person. And, and they all had to go away if I was going to survive and not have the crap beaten out of me out of every dive bar I went into in the long list of states I just named. And so over the course of several years, I actually learned how to behave in a fashion where the bartender, male or female, wouldn't say, am I, am I allowed to swear on this podcast? It's a podcast. Okay. So what do you want, you fucking faggot? Okay, so you just... <laughs> okay, you didn't
0: tell me you were going to say that. <laughs> but okay.
2: So 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 when you, when you say you're, like, really impressed that I just walked into this dive bar in Orange County, it's like... <laughs> it's
0: mean, just Orange County, right? Yeah,
2: okay. I, I love Denise. I love Duffy's. It's my favorite place in the world. Um... Orange, it's, it's, um. What was the first
0: thing we thought of when they had an earthquake? Oh my god, is everyone okay <laughs> in Nuffies? And we called and they're like, Earthquake they, Central. Right,
2: they, they answered the phone, Earthquake, earthquake Central. So, so, Kim, I feel that I have a really good skill set in, in dive bars, and I'm thank you for calling that out. I apologize for swearing, and let's move on to my interview with Philip. Philip, I'm here with you. We're Victors in Hollywood. You. Want to run a wonderful walking tour, Felix in Hollywood? I want you to introduce yourself quickly. Tell us who you are in this wonderful walking tour, and then we're going to get to your hopes and your dreams and your journey.
1: Well, for starters, I don't think I could create such a wonderful walking tour without, you know, things like that brisket sandwich that we we just had. <laughs> I am Philip Mershon, and I and I have the Felix in Hollywood Tour Company, and I offer a ninety-minute historical walking tour of Hollywood. We, we cover specifically the first 100 years of the entertainment industry in Hollywood.
2: Perfect. And this is, like I've, I've said this in the, our first interview, this is a great tour. 90 minutes. You, 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 you nail it. I, I, I really, I write tours. Terseness, bar, economy, it's all there. You really pull it all together. So, But we've, we've already interviewed you about your tour. It's a great interview. So, Philip, but I want to know, we've talked about the history of the tour you give, the history in the tour you give of Hollywood. I want you to tell us about your history and how you came to get here, into this place. So so roll up your sleeves and take it away.
1: Um, That's an interesting question. And actually, I want to say, uh, it it, it was a couple different things. One, um, you know, I was raised a military brat. And we moved, we didn't live in any of the exotic places overseas. My dad did that before I was born. I got places like New Jersey, Duluth, Minnesota, upstate New York. But we moved around a lot, a lot, a lot when I was in specifically elementary school. And, you know, no matter what town we lived in, what state we lived in, how different the people were were, and how different the ways of living in each place were, my continuity and my constancy in my childhood were those million-dollar movies in the afternoon on television, those old black-and-white movies. I don't care what state I lived in and what school I went to, Clark Gable was always in every town, you know? Betty Grable was always in every town. So they were that, that sort of was the birth of my attraction to old Hollywood. Um, that combined with the fact that where we wound up settling in life from the time I was about 11 years through the rest of my childhood and my early adulthood was D.C. And you, I think you kind of have a built-in respect for history when you live in a place like that. And I, you know, I know you're going to think I'm crazy. I know everybody is, who's listening is going to think I'm crazy, but I swear to God, there were times, particularly, say, a weekday in the morning when the rest of the world was at work, when I could walk around... The neighborhoods of Capitol, Capitol Hill, the residential areas, and I swear I could space out and begin to hear hoof prints and I could begin to see hoop skirts on people and I, I mean the history is so palpable, the energy of the history is so palpable in places like that. Well, I found that again when I got to Hollywood, and I, I, as, a, as we talked about before, I did work in costuming for a long time and probably more than anything that's happened to me that got me really set on the path ultimately that I wound up. I was the costume supervisor on a very short-lived TV series back in 19, golly, 92, called The Ben Stiller Show. And we filmed at the Hollywood Center Studios on Las Palmas and Santa Monica. And we were filming... I got the job. I showed up for my first day. We were going to be on uh, stage two, and we were setting up the wardrobe office on stage two. And uh, and we had been there about two days. I had spent you know 15 hours a day those first two days on this stage. One of the guys from the studio comes over, and he comes into the wardrobe office to check on us, see how we're doing. He says, "Oh, by the way." You know this is the stage where the first two seasons of I Love Lucy were filmed, don't you? (laughs) And in an instant, and I swear to you, Richard, I'm not making this up. It's the same build, the same concrete floor I'd been standing on for two days, same building I'd been in for two days. All of a sudden, and I've never seen pictures of the Lucy set, I, I could see where the audience was. I could see where the sets were. I could see where the backstage area was. And I knew that I was breathing Lucy and Viv and Desi and, and Bill air. And, and in that instance, I felt so special. And that's what I try to give people. I want to give them the feeling of being standing in front of places where their memories were made. I want them to feel that special feeling that I felt that day of being in proximity to where the magic is. Because we all love to peek behind the curtain. And that's what I'm endeavoring to give to people. So I hope you come and visit me. I'd love to meet you guys. Perfect. That was, that
2: was You did it before we go. I want you just, again, to tell people, about, about Felix and Hollywood Tours, you, you did the whole rigmarole, URL, hours,
1: phone number. Felixandhollywoodtours.com. If you forget about that, just Google Felix and Hollywood or Felix Tour or something. like that. It'll come up. You'll find it. Uh, 323-929-0302. There's a tour every day, so you have no excuse. I'll see you soon. Bye. God bless you, Phil. Thank you. Hi, my name is Jerry Taft. I'm here at the Los Angeles Athletic Club in downtown Los Angeles, and you were listening to You Can't Eat the Sunshine.
2: D- Denise, Denise, we're here. We're here at Duffy's in La Habra. We're on Imperial Highway. And I was hoping you could just, before we get into where we are and, and the backstory, if you could properly introduce yourself.
4: My name is Denise Wilson. I'm the blonde bartender of La Habra.
2: Perfect. Okay. And we're at Duffy's. So could you tell us, this is, this is a dive bar, happily. It's, it's a wonderful place. Tell us. What, what this is and, and, and where it is and how people can get here. And uh, tell us about Sundays in particular.
4: Okay, well, we're at 531 West Imperial Highway in La Habra. We are the number one dive bar of Orange County. They even put it in the paper. Oh. Uh, Sundays are kind of a free-for-all because I bartend and pretty much make everyone get their own drinks <laughs> most of the time. We barbecue. We just play music, shoot pool. It's, uh, it gets pretty wild in here. It's a lot of fun, not rowdy but a good time, really good time.
2: Good. I know that a lot of people that listen to our podcast like Dive bars. so I, 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 I'm glad we found you. You, you told me you, you were a bartender for 35 years. Maybe you could just give us two or three stories of, of, of your life in, in that time, of, of some funny things that have happened to you.
4: Well, just the other day, we had a guy come in here who was a, a double amputee, and he wanted to keep drinking and drinking, I served him probably eight drinks in quite a few hours, and he went outside the back door, and his leg fell off. And he fell down, and we picked him up, <laughs> I know, it's bad. We picked him up, put him in the chair, set him up, got him reattached, and tried to get him to stay in here, and just have some water, and called him a cab, but he decided he was going to go out the front door. And when he went out the front door, his legs both fell off. And so I told him when I said, just leave him out there, he can't drive if he don't have his legs. and. <laughs> I know it's bad, but, you know, I mean, seriously, he just um, was really ornery and just, just, he just wouldn't do it. And so when we finally got the cab got here, we picked him up and put him inside the cab and I picked up his legs and handed them to him and tried to get him to leave. And he wasn't going to have any part of it. He kept trying to get out. And I told him, I said, I'm going to, I had to make my pretend phone call to 911 and tell him I was was dialing him out. And (laughs) he, uh, he ended up. You know, agreeing to get in the cab, he he got in there. We gave the cab driver 30 bucks to get him the hell out of here. And it turns around like five minutes later, and the cab pulls back in. He gets out and tries to run to his car, not successfully because he's a double amputee. But he ended up um, getting into his car and tried to go out the back way of Duffy's. And, well, there's a brick wall back there. You can't really go anywhere, you know. So he come back around, took off, and he got pulled over. I can imagine what the of variety test look like because he doesn't walk very good in the first place. But just stuff like that, I mean, that has, goes on all the time, all the time.
2: I, I, I don't want you to, to, to give away your, your regulars' names, but could you give us, could you paint us a picture of a day in the life at Duffy's? Say it's, it's a Tuesday. Do you want to give us a, a, a typical Tuesday for you here at Duffy's?
4: Tuesday, I'm normally late for work, which I was supposed to <laughs> supposed to start at 12 o'clock, and I got here right now, so, I mean, you know, I always have Debbie cover for me. She's my, my go-to girl. Um, other than that, you know, probably about around 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it starts to take off and get really busy, and and then at 6 o'clock, when the other bartender comes on, it shuts down because nobody likes them. but... Uh, I mean, other than that, I mean, it's pretty. It's a pretty cool bar. We have certain nights that gets really, really busy. Certain days that it's really, really busy. The weekends are normally are hopping pretty good. Friday nights, Saturday nights, good. But Sunday days and Saturday days are, they're fun. They get started about two in the afternoon and they go on. They go on until about six or seven o'clock. You know, just uh, it's fun. We have a lot of pool players, a lot of people playing games, a lot of loud music, crazy people. Just, uh, but nothing rowdy. Nothing. You know, we don't have fight starters because. Nobody wants to fight in my bar, ever. I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> I'm, I'm nice up to the point where there's a fight, and then I'm not nice anymore. So, I mean, you know, it's just a typical, typical dive bar, you know. Mm-hmm. No windows, dark, no smoking inside. We have people go smoke outside, stand around out there, you know. Sometimes we have a full bar, and all of a sudden I'm, it's, like, empty, and I'm wondering where everyone went, and I have to look in the cameras and notice that everyone's outside the back door smoking their cigarettes. But It's fun. We have a good, good group of people. Really versatile. We have people from, you know, 21. I hope they're 21, <laughs> all the way up to 65, 70, 80 years old, and they and they don't care. You know, they we have some of the oldest customers in here kicking the crap out of people on the pool tables, and it's just you know, it's fun. It's a good bar. Wouldn't you guys say? We love it. There you go. Good, all right. Perfect. Uh, let's just
2: wrap this up. Uh, I want you to tell people the uh, you said Sundays. Uh, what what should people order when they come? Oh, I'm sorry. Let's take that back. Uh, tell us what your hours are, if you don't mind. So people, if people come down, they probably want to catch you. So why don't you tell us what, what your hours are and what you recommend they order when they get here for a drink.
4: Okay, well, Duffy's is open from 6 a.m. until 2 a.m. We're only closed four hours out of the day, 365 days a year. I My hours are from 6 in the morning till 6 at night. Unless Jay is coming in, then it's 6 in the morning until 7.30 or 8 o'clock whenever he rolls in. Um, and if you're going to order something, I would recommend alcohol.
2: <laughs> Denise, you did it. I want to thank you. And we'll, we'll, come, we'll come back?
4: Definitely come back. it would be fun. We'll have a good time. I promise you that. My name is Judith Markoff Hansen. I'm in downtown Los Angeles. And you're listening to You Can't Eat the Sunshine.
2: we're done i'd like to thank everyone for listening to our latest podcast you can't eat the sunshine for the week of august 25th 2014 our guests this week were philip Marchon, he is the owner operator of felix in hollywood tours and we also spoke with denise yes just denise the blonde bartender of duffy's tavern in la habra we want to hear from you we like feedback kim tell us tell the listeners at home how they can get into the feedback loop
0: well, you know, you could send us an email at youcanteatthesunshine at com or through the contact link at www.esotoric.com. You could join us on an Esotoric bus adventure or one of the free lava events that we host, like the Lava Sunday Salon, free walking tours following, the Crime Lab Seminars, next one coming up in November, one of our historic programs. Or, you know, you can go to iTunes and eh, just give us five stars, say a thing or two. Um... Just generally, you can let us know what you think. It's always a pleasure to hear from podcast listeners, and uh, you know who you are. And sometimes so do we. Thanks for listening,
2: Kim. Don't 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 go away because you, you you've got the list of upcoming bus tours. You got to take us home.
0: Yeah, I'll say the crime bus is coming up, and I got my voice back. So get ready. We got some blood and guts and gore. Starting on September 6th, it's Hotel Horrors and Main Street Vice, a downtown double feature about how downtown L.A. used to be so much fun and so, so, so much trouble. Beautiful hotels, terrible, heartbreaking stories of love gone wrong, mostly. That's kind of what downtown L.A. is about, and you know, mummified dudes sitting in wax museums and sword swallowers, and all our favorite kind of people, and fire demons. There's a fire demon on that tour, tour. Tour two. Uh, Weird West Adams is a crime bus tour in the uh, many, many neighborhoods of the West Adams district. It's on September 13th. It's sort of a 1920s, 30s tour. A lot of stuff about early growth of the city, and Very, very poor behavior by your neighbors. That's also one of our tours, which includes a cemetery visit. We'll be walking through Rosedale, now known as Angeles Rosedale, and heading up to the Circle to visit the Ringe family of Malibu and the crazy Caffetz clan and one of my favorite dry drunks. So you don't want to miss that one. Eastside Babylon is on September 20th. It is, without question, my most unhinged crime bus tour. It includes East LA, Boyle Heights, Montebello, and the City of Commerce, and talk about fire demons. Boy, you really don't want to have your house be overlooked by Assyrian Babylonian gods who happen to around a a tire plant because nothing good will happen to you if you live in that part of commerce that is also our tour that includes the night stalker case and it also has a cemetery visit we'll be walking through evergreen to visit my friends and yours the carnies richard will you ever take me to the circus again no? no? Not going to happen? All right. Pasadena Confidential without Crime the Clown is September 27th, and that's a tour that includes a lot of stuff about black magic and rocket science and inappropriate pets, presidential assassins and so forth. We'll take, I'm sure, a nice little stroll out onto Suicide Bridge, and we'll have lots and lots of fun because that tour always is a delight. And happily, there are no more crimes on Bank Street, no, they, they they quashed into... T- there, are, there,
2: there, there was a crime almost from things. Yeah,
0: I, you know, listen, you may have heard South Pasadena High School, some, some of the kids supposedly were planning some sort of mass shootout, but this thing was broken up before they had any guns and because they were talking about it with friends on social media, so... Sounds like a bunch of fantasy to me. Don't get too freaked out. But, of course, that is a school where, in 1940, the principal, Verlin Spencer, did shoot the place up and kill some people. So it would have been a a very unfortunate echo. And uh, that is a, a block that we walk and talk about the crimes along that block. So... Happily, we're not updating that tour. Uh, Rolling into October, we are debuting the Echo Park Book of the Dead, and that is my newest crime bus tour, and I have some really deeply twisted and wonderful tales to tell. Also, I'm so delighted that we will be visiting Sister Amy Semple McPherson's Parsonage on our snack break. It is one of the most lovely little structures in Southern California. It does, I believe, have the most beautiful bathroom in L.A., and you can see it, but you can't use it. It's not a usable bathroom, it's a lookable bathroom.
2: There, there are usable bathrooms.
0: Well, of course there's a usable bathroom, but you know, you're know you not using her upstairs bathroom, you're not taking a shower in there, although I dream about it sometimes. Moving on. The Real Black Dahlia is our most popular crime bus tour, and it rolls again on October 11th. It should be nice and cool by then. I'm hoping.
3: Yeah,
0: yeah. maybe. I don't we'll, know. we'll follow in the footsteps of Elizabeth Short, the victim in what remains the most notorious unsolved murder in L.A. and possibly American history. It is a tour not about who killed her, but about who she was and why you should care. And we really focus on the uh, police investigation and then the DA's investigation into the police's investigation and the incredibly complex and well-funded journalistic investigation into her death. October the 18th is Raymond Chandler's Los Angeles, a noirish journey through downtown and Hollywood. And we'll wrap up the crime bust season on October the 25th, heading into Halloween with the return after, boy, four, almost five years of Wild Wild West Side. Wow. Has it been five years? Yeah, Wild Wild West Side, a, a tour I love, one of my favorite crime bus tours. It includes some really weird cults, including the grade 11 cult, which is the subject of my novel, The Kept Girl, the Kept Girl. and um, some acid casualties, and some people with incredibly powerful brain power—people who could actually will themselves into comas rather than accept punishment for their evil acts. There's some really, oh, yeah. really, really weird stuff on this tour. And uh, you know, we've we've made a few changes so that it's something we can offer. Again, on our calendar, basically, instead of starting on the west side, which would require me to get up an hour earlier and, and, and bolt my breakfast, we're going to start at downtown because there's so much to say and to tell some stories as we travel across town. So I would love to see you on Wild Wild West Side on October 25th, and, you know, there'll be tours in November, too, but you'll just have to wait to hear about them.
2: Okay, Kim, good job. Thank you for for taking care of that, as you always do. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to encourage you to continue to listen, and I want to remind you,
3: you can't eat the sunshine. You can't eat the sunshine, but you can make a beeline for the best of the coastline. La 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 la. Skid Row, Solano Canyon, the Dorian long-lost neighborhood called Herbina between South Pass and Highland Park, Grand Central Park. It is divine. You can't eat the sunshine, but it's a gold mine.